Hey, it's Neville here, and today is Friday, June 18th, 2021, and this is the stupid email, which means swipe, thought, uplifting, picture, interesting, and drawing. Let's dive right in. So the first thing I got here is a swipe, and uh, these are some slides of wisdom I made from David Ogilvy and Ben Franklin pertaining to writing. So this first one is a very dapper picture of David Ogilvy looking over to the quote, and it says, Every time I have written a bad campaign, it has been because the product did not interest me. Quote David Ogilvy. Powerful. I love that. Every time I've worked on clients that have like some boring product, I'm just really not into it. I mean, I could do it, but it's just not as fun. And I feel like your brain doesn't spark as much. So I would encourage you if you freelance or just work on your own business to preferably, if you can, do something that you enjoy. That really turns you on. That really uh, gets your brain going. Um, not everyone can do that, but if you can, that's the ideal. Uh, here's another one by David Ogilvy. It says, if you are lucky enough to write a good advertisement, repeat it until it stops selling. This is a common thing I see with people doing emails, sales pages, courses, cohorts, all that kind of stuff. They'll run something one time, it works super well. So they run it the next time and it even works pretty well or not as well. And basically you just keep repeating until it stops and you reuse that same marketing material until your audience gets tired of it. Now, you don't want to just burn out your audience every time, but it is something that if something works really well, like you're doing a giveaway and it grows your social media audience and it works really well, guess what? Just do another one and another one and another one. I learned this at AppSumo that, especially from Noah, he was always just like, well, what worked really well before? And we're like, oh, uh, this thing. And he'd be like, well, what if we just redid that? And we're like, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's so simple. Um, here's a good one from Benjamin Franklin. It's either write things worth reading or do things worth the writing. So that's a very profound quote. It says either write things that people really, really want to read or do things that people will write about you. And it just makes life a little bit more interesting. Not everyone has to do this, but it's kind of fun. And here's one more quote. Um, a lot of bad copy comes out of writing in committees. Most great copy is written by a single person and maybe some light feedback from another. So uh, this is a quote by, I mean, I guess I wrote that, but <laughs> it's, it's inspired by this quote, which is, it's like a poem. It's a rhyme. It says, search the parks in your cities. You'll find no statues of committees. Isn't that cool? I'll read it again. Search the parks in your cities. You'll find no statues of committees. You know, when you see a, a, uh, something in the park, it's like George Washington or Martin Luther King. It's always individuals, right, that are celebrated. So whenever you write copy and you're just in the mood, crackling, it's way better than if you write in a room full of five to ten people, which is always, almost always, not a good idea. Here's a fun thought, and this is a thought experiment for copywriting inspired by David Ogilvy. Um, he has frequently in the past tried to sell like a certain brand of rice to an entire country. And I was like, well, what's a fun thought experiment? So I thought, how would you get an entire country to wear sunscreen, like more sunscreen? Because I used to hate wearing sunscreen until I saw this and I thought about this. So wearing sunscreen is like one of those problems where a small amount of text and a large amount of pictures would probably be best. It's going to be hard to explain to people why to wear sunscreen. So I'd approach this by showing the world how sun ages your skin through a UV filter. Do you know what that is? An ultraviolet filter? Basically, it's a filter, a special type of camera that can pick up light waves in the ultraviolet, which is how like bees and some insects see. And basically what happens is, I made some slides and it said low damage skin and you see normal light and UV light. In the normal light, there's a picture of a woman and she looks like a young woman, just fine. And under the UV light, her skin looks much darker. 
not quite black, but like this weird, like grayish kind of unnatural looking color is what her skin looks like in UV light. It just looks like a gray filter in front of her, not much. But then we get to high damage skin. It's a different young woman. And in normal light, she looks like just a regular old lady. She has a few freckles under her eyes a little bit. But under UV light, her entire face and chest and arms are covered in freckles. And what that is, is sun damage done to her skin that you will see in a few years. And it's kind of scary because like you don't see in normal light all that sun damage. So you think my skin's fine. But in reality, a lot of the damage of the UV light is done under the, the epidermis, the outer layer of your skin. And so the next slide shows that sunscreen forms a protective barrier against UV light that you can't see with visible light. So with normal light, there's a picture with the lady rubbing her face, but it, it just looks like she's rubbing her face. It doesn't look like anything's on her face. But in UV light, it looks like she's wearing black paint on her face because the UV light is completely blocked by sunscreen. That's what sunscreen does. It forms like a shield between the UV light and your skin. So the the sunscreen actually absorbs the UV light and, and takes away its energy rather than it going into your skin and penetrating your skin. So, and then at the last slide says, you may not realize sun damage is happening until you see yourself in ultraviolet light. There's a picture of a young woman and she has a lot of freckles on her face in the UV camera that is going to be sun damage that gets exposed in a few years, which is a little scary. So I always thought it was kind of BS until I saw the dramatic effects of uh, skin, uh, your skin under UV light. And I always wanted it just kind of, I don't know, I preferred not to look older than I really am, just like most people. So uh, there's some excellent videos I included over here showing the aging from sun exposure. It's, it's, if you don't know about this, it's very enlightening. Anyways, here's something uplifting. Um, this is a really cool tool. I just love when people put out free tools on the internet. There's a, there's a tool called Social Blade. And it's an awesome tool where you can look at someone's social media growth output and daily subscribers. That means you could look at all sorts of reports uh, that looks like you're looking at their analytics. And what it does is basically go to all the different uh, profiles every day and updates them with the number of followers. And then it calculates how many followers they lost, gained, et cetera. So I included some examples of like my Twitter stats, my YouTube stats, and then like Elon Musk Twitter stats. A uh, small little tidbit. I can see here that this year, Elon Musk has gained between 45,000 and 150,000 Twitter followers per day. That, that's just kind of wild. And there's certain days you can see where he has like negative minus 490. People are always like, what is that? And um, those actually, I found out, actually coincide with days that Twitter does a big clean. So Twitter will often do big cleans of bots. They'll be able to use their machine learning to spot tons of different bots that are related to each other and just delete those all at one. And so you see this huge drop in number. Um, so some people are like, what, what did Twitter do? Are they like deleting my followers? And it's like, no, they're just, they're cleaning up bots. That's all they're doing. Um, so also with Social Blade, from seeing these stats, it's kind of easy to spot where you've been working hard and slacking off. So for example, I was looking at my YouTube stats and you know, I hate to say it, but there was a big dip in subscribers for the last few months. And I was like, what is going on? What, what's going on? So I dig into my stats and I was like, oh, I just wasn't really posting anymore. So during the pandemic, what happened was obviously we couldn't see people. And so I was stopping to do interviews and I was on a roll. Um, I did like eight or 10 nice proper sit down interviews. And I thought they were really fun for me. I thought they were fun for the guests. I thought they were fun for the audience. I got a lot of content out of it. And honestly, they were just, uh, they were a lot of fun. And the pandemic hit and then it just, you had to do like Zoom ones instead of like in-person ones. And so I just stopped posting as much. And you can see, you know, with the, the cadence of content coming out every week, 
um, the, the stats were going up nicely and I just stopped. So with Social Blade, you could spot where you've been lazy. And um, I'm happy to report that we have been doing more YouTube lately. I actually hired a podcast producer um, as of last week. So you should see the first uh, video coming out sometime next week. And um, I have also been doing a lot of YouTube shorts. I feel like there's not a lot of content sometimes in a certain idea that needs to be 10 minutes long, right? So YouTube likes very long videos because they can show you more ads. Whereas now they've put this thing called YouTube Shorts and we've been doing a lot of very, very quick under one minute, just like teach you something about copywriting or teach you something interesting real quick. So youtube.com slash copywriting with a K and you can find all those. Um, here's an interesting picture. Our COO, Leslie, made this awesome logo with a lasering center machine uh, at her house. So it's super cool. It's made out of wood and it's like two-tone wood. It's our copywriting course logo and it's like cut out. Um, it's super cool. It's really big. It came with like the actual wood around it. I took it off because I thought it just looks better like this. And it just looks, I don't know, it just looks awesome. And she also made some end caps for the Shure SMB7 uh, microphones we use. And I always notice this, like even on the Joe Rogan podcast, on the bottom of the mic, it says Shure and S-H-U-R-E. And Shure is the microphone company. It's a big popular microphone brand. And it just says Shure everywhere. And I was like, why don't people just like mark over that? So I gave Leslie the dimensions of under the microphone and she cut it out and it actually just like fit perfectly inside the cap. One of them fit perfectly and one of them I use like a small piece of the Velcro and it just looks so much better with like our branded logo instead of just saying sure on the bottom. So I thought that was kind of cool. Here is something interesting and this is a little bit not about copywriting but more about stocks. And the reason I bring this up is because I've been talking to a lot of friends here in Austin and stuff, and a lot of my friends are like 30 and under and stuff. I'm 38, so a little bit a little bit more experienced than they'd have in terms of just the number of years I've been around. And one of them are uh, a, a lot of things I've seen in these younger investors is like they're just trading and doing a lot of back and forth trading. Now, here's the thing. I think everyone goes to this phase. You think like, oh, man, if I could predict when that goes up or down, I can make money on that, right? So what that's called is gambling, AKA day trading, okay? Gambling, day trading, it's very similar. So you try to predict based on news and trends and all that kind of stuff, when it's gonna go up, when it's gonna go down, you pay, place a bet, oh, it's, I buy it for $10, it goes to $20, you double your money, right? It's very, very tempting. So actually in college, I went through a day trading phase and I gotta say, it taught me a lot. I mean, if you have kids that are like teenagers or something, I would give them a couple hundred bucks or maybe a thousand dollars and say, hey, day trade all you want. And the reason is um, I would wake up when like the stock market opened, follow the news and pay close attention to all the movements and get like real huffed up and, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of action and stuff going on. And what I noticed was that one day the news would be like, everything is amazing. Bye, 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 buy everything. It's, it's awesome. Everything kicks ass. And then the next day they'd be like, the world is ending. Sell, 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 sell. And then the next day it'd be like, everything's amazing again, bye, bye, bye. And you're just like, wait a second. Like it just goes up and down, up and down, up and down. If I just hold on to this for a long term, it kind of just like slowly goes up over time, right? And so the lesson I learned is that the media and news is a business based on attention. They, they get their money from you watching, right? From their ads and advertisements. So their job is to keep you hooked, not to give you perfect information. And I'll go into that perfect information a little bit more in a second. So. The news job is like, if you're stressed, you watch more. And also what I learned as I graduated that some of my friends got hired as analysts at these companies. These were like 22 year old college grads that didn't know a damn thing. I knew some of these people, they didn't have stocks. Like they didn't buy and sell stocks. They had no money. 
And I was like, why the hell would I listen to them? They don't know what they're talking about. I want to listen to like some really rich person. So it was around this time I started reading every damn thing I could about Warren Buffett, one of the richest people in the world. And his philosophy was very simple. You buy great companies that produce lots of cash and you hold them forever. That's it. That was his whole thing. Now, he does sell and buy companies occasionally, but they do not do short positions. They don't do stuff that they don't hold for years. So he would always say the hardest part about investing is just doing nothing. So one of his famous things is he bought Coca-Cola in like some, you know, 1975 or something. And he just holds it, holds it, holds it, holds it. And now it's worth billions of dollars, something like that. But basically from Warren Buffett, I learned the value of reading financial statements. So I don't 100% and you know what every single thing on a financial statement means, especially back then in college when I started reading these, but I could easily spot long-term trends such as Apple's revenue and profit rising. So if you just look at like their 2017 revenue and uh, everything, it, it says like 229 billion. Then 2018 is 265. So it went down, it went up a little bit. Then 260 in 2019. So it went down slightly. Um, but then you look at their 2020 and it went way up. So it's just like you could see this long-term trend of going up and up and up, and that if you just hold on to that stock, it'll likely just go up without you having to do a lot of like stressful trading back and forth. So that was a big lesson I learned to spend most of my time just looking at the financials and really learning a company and just 1% trading. I mean, you should just maybe make a trade every year or so and not be doing a lot of back and forth trades. So, um, I also learned another thing is that you go on a buying spree when everyone thinks the world is ending because everything goes on sale. So a lot of my young friends, whenever they see like bad news, they've never been through like a bear market before because they're, you know, it's just been good for 12 years or so. And so whenever they see something bad, they're like, oh my God, I need to sell my stock. I'm like, no, 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 no. You should literally buy more of a stock if you're really into this company. You think it's going to be around in 10 years and it's going to be much bigger. So uh, Warren Buffett has a great quote that says, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Beautiful quote. I love it. So I started keeping a stockpile of cash on my trading account for these massive events. So whenever there's like some big thing in the news that causes the world to tank election stuff, blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, I am a hundred percent on board on these companies. I am almost positive. They're going to be much, 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 much larger in 10, 15 years. And so every time there's like a huge event that happens like March, 2020, um, I go in and buy. So you don't, you don't get scared and be like, Oh, I should sell it. You say like, I need to add to this position cause it's on 50% sale. So, uh, that, that was a big lesson I learned and, and has so far paid off well. Now, I used to spend time watching for big stock events like this. And I also learned another lesson that now I set auto orders that trigger when a certain price point is hit. So especially in the crypto markets, it's 24 seven, right? So like at least with the stock markets, nine to five New York time. And then it, it ends up from, it goes from Monday to Friday. You get this nice break with crypto. It's 24 seven. It never stops. So let's say there's some random blip where, you know, everything goes 50% off all of a sudden. Well, now I don't want to. I don't want to pay attention to the price. Like I don't look at prices of crypto or stocks. I don't. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm in them for the really, really long haul. Daily fluctuations, weekly news, and monthly stuff. It does not matter to me. So I now set auto buys that trigger at certain prices. So I say, okay, if I could get this crypto or stock at this price, how much would I buy? And what happens is you set what's called a limit order, and uh, this way it 
every, every single trading platform has it. And you set a limit order. So let's say a, a Tesla goes at $200. How much would I buy it for? I'd, I'd say I'm going to buy $50,000 of Tesla if it hits $200. And so you tell the computer that and say how long you want that to go. And so I say, I usually put it for about a year. And then at some point, if for whatever reason, bad earnings call, it dips to 200, it'll just load up on Tesla. And now I have a great stock uh, for a good price. I just totally made up the Tesla advent example, ignore the numbers. But th that's the way that I started doing stuff now. So now I really just don't check the price because if you have limit orders in place, like who cares? Like the computer will handle it for you. So it's really cool. And um, last lesson, and this is what I give, uh, uh, this is the, the advice I give to my friends that don't want to figure out financial stuff, is literally just do what Warren Buffett is doing with all his family money when he dies. And that's put 10% of the cash into short-term government bonds, basically it holds some cash, um, and 90% in a very low-cost S&P index fund. And that means uh, VOO. So if, if you want, like, people used to tell me, like, put in low-cost S&P index fund. And I'm like, well, what is like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what that means, right? So it, it's stock symbol, v, stock symbol ticker VOO. It's basically a Vanguard S&P 500 index fund that he's talking about. So you keep a little bit of cash on hand, and then keep most of your money in the S&P 500 index. And what happens is it might go up one year. It might go down one year. Just remember, if you keep it in there for 10 plus years and 20 plus years, you likely, at least historically, will make a lot more money than all these hedge funds. So a lot of hedge funds will be like, we made 40% this year, but then one year they make like negative 20, right? So you got to remember that it all averages out and that the easy way to investing, like Warren Buffett does, is just like you buy a good asset and hold it for a very long period of time. And that's about it. And here's my last thing. This is a drawing and it's actually of the Simpsons. And I, I just love how this was actually what omni-channel marketing was back in the day. So omni-channel marketing now means like Facebook ads, TV, radio, all that kind of stuff. But back in the day, there was no internet. And so omni-channel marketing back in the day, like the 1990s, was where local TV stations would take out ads in the local newspaper to tell people about TV shows they're running so they can juice their ratings and get more ads uh, sold. So like for the example, this one says tonight, the Simpsons meets Homer's long lost brother. And there's a picture of the Simpsons. And it says there's a special guest voice by Danny DeVito. Basically back in the day, this is how you drum up, uh, you know, attention for, for your, uh, for your program. And so, uh, that's all I had. This is the stupid email swipe thought interesting. Sorry. <laughs> I messed that up. It's swipe thought uplifting picture, interesting and drawing. My name is Neville Medora. It is Friday, June 18th, and I hope you have a really good one, and I will talk to you later. But if you want to get a little bit more of me in the copywriting course, do you know that we have like this just giant entire members area? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it or anything, but you can go to copywritingcourse.com slash join. You can get a preview of like, what's going on inside right now. And what happens is it's, it used to be a copywriting course only, right? I just showed people videos of me talking about how to do copywriting. And after a while, I was like, that's cool, but what else can we do? And so I started doing these office hours for people that were part of the course. And we'd actually just like record snippets of them coming to me with real problems, me like marking up their copy and redoing it on the spot. Then I thought, well, what do we do this like kind of at a larger scale? And so we have this great members area uh, that's custom designed for us where we can post large amounts of text. So I'm talking about like full emails, sales pages, landing pages, or even just like short little pieces from here and there, like a Facebook ad, like a paragraph of text. And me and the other writers in the, in the members area can go and mark up your writing. 
So a lot of people, what happens is they get inside the box. So let's say you're writing a Facebook ad or a cold email. You've looked at it a hundred times and you're like, is it good? Like, how do I even tell if it's good? Um, like I, you use like an email generator you find online. You're like, okay, it rewrote it, but like, but like, is it good? And so you want someone with a bit of experience that's done this hundreds of times and gets to see their results and examples. And that's where a copywriting course comes in. So myself and all the other copywriters inside and even the other members, you post your stuff and we go and we answer it and mark it up. And a lot of times we find, <laughs> we've just found that it's so much easier to just redo someone's copy rather than give them advice on like, hey, just update this, update this, update this, which we also do. But then a lot of times we just rewrite the whole damn thing. Or if we're like, hey, what if you make an image? We'll often just mock up an image for you and you can even make images inside our editor. So I would suggest uh, joining the copywriting course. It's pretty fun. You get uh, direct access to me. So every Thursday I am on office hours calls and you talk straight to me about your problem. So I charge uh, roughly $750 an hour for private consulting. But with this super cheap price on the members area, you literally just talk to me every week for the next year uh, for super cheap. So it's a pretty damn good deal. And here's the cool thing about office hours. And it, it's always flabbergasted me because I was a big fan of like office hours in college and stuff. You know, you, there's 200 people in the course, but then like one person shows up to office hours for the professor. And officer, there's, there's many, there's hundreds, uh, I don't know, maybe thousand plus uh, members in the copywriting course. And what happens is, there's only like five, six people that will ask questions during office hours, sometimes even less. And so you get my undivided attention. Also, Dan is in there all the time answering questions with me. And so you get two pro copywriters uh, that have business experience answering all your stuff and redoing your things for you. And we've seen some awesome results with it. Anyways, if you want to join copywritingcourse.com slash join, I'll end my spiel here about it. But I think it's one of the best damn uh, copywriting deals you could possibly get in the entire industry. If you have a better one, point me to it. I'd love to see it, uh, learn some stuff. And uh, if you want to join, let me know. And, and also, you know what? If you're not going to join, how about, what if you tell me, right? If you're listening to this and you appreciate the stuff I do, it takes time, effort, money, all that kind of stuff. Would you just tell me why you're not buying the copywriting course? And look, I got thick skin. I've been called every name in the book. I don't care if you give me bad feedback. In fact, I value bad feedback. Uh, don't be mean about it. Be nice, but like constructive. But email me, neville at copywritingcourse.com. Um, or even my personal one, nevmed at gmail.com if you want to hit my personal email. Or on Twitter, at nevmed. Um, j let me know why you're not buying the copywriting course. I'm just I'm just curious. Uh, maybe you just don't need it. Maybe you don't want it. Maybe you're not even remotely running a business or need copywriting help. Just let me know. I'm just curious. Anyways, I'll talk to you later. My name is Nolan Medora. Take care. Bye.